Welcome to this week's edition of Good Books Radio. Audiobooks.com is the chief underwriter for Good Books Radio, which is produced by UTRGV Media Services for Rio Grande Valley Public Radio. And now, here's your host, Dr. W.F. Strong. Welcome to another edition of Good Books Radio. I'm sitting in today for Dr. John Cook, who is, as they like to say, on assignment, which I think in his case is sitting on a beach in Mexico having margaritas. At least I hope so. Salud, Cook. We have today the book called Love-Based Copywriting, Love-Based Copywriting System and Love-Based Copywriting Method. Sounds like an unusual title, right? But let's just look at what it is, and um, here I have this little introduction from the book itself. It says, Do you hate the way sales and marketing copy make you feel? Salesy, inauthentic, hypey, just plain, well, icky. You're not alone. And there's a reason you feel that way. It's because traditional sales and marketing copy, also known as direct response copy, sells by tapping into fear. But you don't have to use fear to write well. You can sell and market your business using love instead. And when you do that, you stop manipulating and twisting arms to get buyers, and instead you start attracting, inspiring, inviting your ideal clients into your business. Now, all of us really do some copywriting sometime in our lives. I mean, a resume, a cover letter, this is copywriting for you, self-marketing. And anybody who has a business has uh, dabbled in copywriting, uh, putting together your own ads, etc. So these books might be useful to you if you're anywhere near the world of advertising and self-promotion. Michelle P.W. is the author of this. P.W. is um, her initials, but she prefers to use them, another kind of marketing technique. Michelle P.W. is considered one of the hottest marketing and copyright strategists today. She is founder and owner of a copywriting and marketing company that specializes in helping entrepreneurs and business owners all over the world grow successful and profitable businesses through good copywriting and good marketing. We're going to talk to her now. She's on the phone. One of the things that I noticed, one of the reasons I was attracted to your book was uh, love in the title. <laughs> I thought, well, yeah. that's fascinating. A love-based copywriting method or love-based copywriting system, you know, the two books, volume one and two. So let's begin there. Why this title and how did you come upon it? Well, uh what what really happened is I sort of have to back it up a little bit is that I I w- I'm a copywriter so right. which is a traditional um, you know you write you, what it is it's nothing to do with protecting intellectual property it has everything to mm-hmm. do with writing promotional materials for businesses and uh, what the I, I was spe- specializing on the internet I'd learned a lot of you know very I'd learned from all the traditional masters on copywriting but there is this core group of, of like conscious entrepreneurs, healers, coaches that were kind of rising up like in, uh, like in the two, 2010 type 2011. And they really didn't like the uh, traditional direct response copy. They thought it sounded like inauthentic and salesy and hypey and they didn't want to use it. And at that time, people were saying, well, you know, pull on your big girl panties and, and use it or, or don't be successful. You know, there there's some harsh lessons back then. But so, and then people said to me, uh, Michelle, can you come up with a new way of writing copy? And uh, I said, absolutely not. 
And uh, it wasn't until, because uh, so there's plenty of good copywriting, I have, no, I have no business writing copy, but then in 2014, uh, my friend came out with this book, Love-Based Marketing, and I looked at it and I thought, love-based copywriting, what well, would be the opposite? That would be fear-based copy. And the entire philosophy just went boom and downloaded into me. And hence, that's how I, I got the two books first. Mm-hmm. Well, what did you, uh, let, let's back it up even further to look at your own personal history a little bit. Uh, your uh, educational background is what? Your uh, your major in college was what? My major in college? English and communications. But what's interesting is I actually had a, um, uh, I was almost a sociology major, and uh, and then I, but I decided to triple major. I was kind of crazy. But uh, the sociology is what's what's helped me the most, quite honestly, because that's a study of human behavior. And so actually that, that's been what I've drawn upon more than either the English or the communication. <laughs> and then you, and you went to work in uh, the field of copywriting fairly quickly? So actually when I was, uh, this really starts when I was three years old and I taught myself to read because I wanted to write stories so badly. Yeah. Uh, so I w- I've been driven to write my entire life. And then when I was in high school, uh, you know, I was casting around for something else to write or to, to do to make money while I wrote books, novels specifically. And people said to me, why don't you become a journalist? And I said, that's the last thing I want to be. So it was when I was in college, that's when I kind of discovered this whole wacky world of copywriting. And yeah, so I, I did after college, I kind of went into it as a freelancer. Plus, I got some jobs in marketing, marketing agencies, a corporate job um, in communications, that kind of thing. So you were in MedMen. I was a what? <laughs> so you were like, you were like in the show Mad Men. You were writing. Oh yes, I was. Mad Men. Yes, mm. yes, that's exactly it. Yes. <laughs> and did you uh, did you spend a lot of time uh, editing and and revising and and pleasing clients in, in that sort of setup? Yeah. So I I, I wasn't a, a terribly good employee. So um, the nice. <laughs> Why? Why? Well, because I, you know, it's I. I think part of it was the, uh, you, you know, this idea that I. Well, I. I I'm very entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. so I think just having you know having a boss and somebody else to answer to just never really completely set right with me because you know I. I of course could always do it better. So, uh, 1998, I finally decided um, that I was going to make this freelance thing work. So I quit. At that time, I was working for the government. So I really went. Uh, I was working in government communications. So I really, went, <laughs> really went the other way. And I quit and I started freelancing, uh, and as a freelance copywriter. And I did that full time. And I've continued to do it. But what I did was in 2004, 2005, I started to build an actual copywriting company. So that that's kind of and and where I have like a team of copywriters, and project managers and the whole bit. Well, what makes for a good copywriter? In a professional sense, if you were going to hire someone, what would you look for uh, in them uh, in terms of personal history or or just writing style? What would you look for? So a couple of things, and that's a great question. Um, I, I Sales is actually really good. If I can find somebody who uh, doesn't either doesn't mind sales, because sales and copywriting are very similar. And if, if somebody is comfortable in sales, they're probably going to be comfortable as a copywriter. Also, um, somebody who is, um, is, you 
know, they they've, they've can, they can match a variety of styles. Because one of the things that happens when you're a freelance copywriter, it, and not, not every client, but many clients want the copywriters to sound just like them. So they want somebody that could imitate their voice. So, um, so if you if I have uh, you know a writer who's who's got too um, or is, is is too strong of a style or who can't imitate others other voices, that's not going to work very well. So it, you know if you're if you if you've got a flexibility there, that's that's a lot better. So you want someone uh, obviously that's um, that's flexible, but a lot of those clients they want essentially a ghostwriter. Yeah, a ghostwriter, but it's it's yeah, we are actually ghostwriters, but it's not like in the traditional sense writing a book and said you you know you're writing sales oh, yeah, copy, yeah, yeah. to sell things. So, but yeah, we are actually ghostwriters. Um, so in in a lot of ways, and they do, especially the market that I serve, because a lot of these people whistle to love. You know, they they they're conscious entrepreneurs. They're very very much want their voice out there, so they are very sensitive to this. And not all. Not you know, not everybody is like that. Some people, some clients don't don't really care, but a lot of them do. So it really helps to be able to just really get into their voice and well, the, be able the, to imitate it. The word that I, I see a lot here in your book is authenticity. Yes, yes, people want yes, integrity. Yeah, and maybe that's part of why they're so attracted to having someone sound like them because then it feels more authentic to them. Sure. Yes. Can you give us examples of, uh, before you wrote this book and your, your life as a copywriter, what sort of uh, companies did you work with? So I, I've, it's, it's, I've really worked with a lot of people in, in the gamut. Like I did uh, some work with Whole Foods, um, with Avnet Computer, uh, that I don't, they were, um, they're a big technology company. Um, and then a lot of smaller, smaller companies too, um, especially in this kind of, you know, the coaching industry. There's this whole, like, the internet has spawned all these kind of different industries, and the industry that I'm in uh, is is kind of like the, you know, this online coaching, you know, healers, mm-hmm. uh, spiritual entrepreneurs, that kind of bit. So those, those, um, Brian Tracy's another one too. That that one. Um, so I, I, I did a lot of work for him as well um and, and so if you're that's 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 where I, a lot of my clients in the last you know five ten years has really come from so you have to create obviously for that market uh, i mean authenticity is clearly uh, absolutely important <laughs> it's par- it's paramount uh, that you have a interpersonal warmth in your style so that you can reach out and connect deeply with people but what do you but how do you do that what are your rules so first off, you have to really know who you're talking to um, and writing to one person. So you, you don't want to write to a group, but one person, one specific person. And the more specific you can really make them, I, I know it sounds, and that's the thing, this, this is one of those things, this is one of those pieces of advice that just sounds counterintuitive. It's like, you know, it feels like, you know, if I'm writing to one specific person and that person isn't me, then why would, why would, why would the copy sound like it's written to me? But it does. Because you're because you make it you're, you're you're being specific in the details and the details is what really draws in the connection. So um, really, really. Um, so the first thing to do is to really help the clients get clear on who their ideal clients are. Now, um, some clients know this, but a lot of them don't, um, or they've got kind of this vague, hazy sense of like this sort of this this kind of over big size demographic. 
So narrowing it down as much as possible to an ideal client group, and I like ideal clients because um, I, you know, I, I, I like problem like another another in this, another word that's that's thrown around a lot is niche. And the problem with niche marketing is, again, niche sounds like a group. Ideal client is a person. So the more we can really picture a person at the other end of what we're writing, and you know, then I think that just makes everything better for everybody because then you're not writing to, like, a, a mass. You're not, you're not thinking of your clients as walking wallets. And if you can really feel, like, who they are, you know, what's keeping them up at night, what are their goals, uh, their dreams, their their core values? The more you can really feel like you know that, the more you can write it, and the more authentic it becomes. Do you have uh, an example that you can share with us of, of you know, a good example of connecting well? Um, so one of the things is uh, is like a, I'm trying to think of a piece of copy, but you know, it's, uh, think of it as like kind of like almost like a love letter. I would say mm. so. If you're writing like a love letter to your client, if you want to do this yourself, and in terms of a, in terms of, you know, the thing is, is it's interesting. That's an interesting question because I think everybody would find a, the copy connection differently, because um, for somebody who, if it's if it's if you're the ideal client and you're reading it, you and, and it's done correctly, you will feel connected to it. But somebody else who's not an ideal client actually won't be connected to it. So that's the thing. It's not something that kind of works um, over over all groups. If you do it right, you're going to repel as much as you attract. Oh yeah, <laughs> I I think of your your example of writing the love letter because if you're if you're in love, it's a beautiful thing. But if you're not, you know, it's it's something that uh, you know makes people want to gag. You know, say, oh my God, that is so bad. Uh, Responsible for a lot of bad poetry in the world, love, <laughs> but meant a lot to the person who got it, you know, at the time. <laughs> the uh, well, it, I, as I was reading your your book and your examples, I thought, well, you know, this isn't something that's only for people who are, you know, in business. Uh, everybody at some point in their life is uh, writing copy. Yeah, and I, I love how you say that because I've actually wanted to expand this more into actually love-based persuasion. I feel like that's mm-hmm. what this is really more about. And as because as human beings, you know, we live in communities, and persuasion is part of how we is part of how we communicate. And that and it's it's not just like persuading somebody to do something that they don't want to do or to buy a product. You know, you're also persuading your kids to go to bed at at a decent bedtime. Now, on the other hand, you can say you are, I guess you are persuading them to do something they don't want to do. But you want them to do it, but um, but it's it's this idea that you can persuade. Now, in order to persuade somebody, you have to tap into people's emotions. If you want to, if you want somebody to take action, you must tap into their emotions, and you have a choice. You can tap into what I call love-based emotions. Uh, which are, you know, love and, you know, connection, joy, happiness, all of that. Or you can tap into fear-based emotions, which is fear, anxiety, uh, anger, grief, though grief doesn't persuade very well, um, shame, guilt. All of that is under fear-based emotions. And and you have a choice. You can, depending on how you choose, is, how, is what you're going to do. And so one of the things that I really like the idea of spreading the word out there is how we can really persuade you know, or sell more, persuade more with love versus using fear. Yeah, well, fear works well in persuasion, but only short term. There's a there's a classic uh, classic study you remind me of. Um, 
done years ago when they were trying to determine whether children responded, uh, you know, better in dental care to, uh, you know, the fear of dental disease or the or just the reward of having nice teeth, you know. And they found that uh, they showed these kids, you know, these horrific films of people with, uh, you know, black gums and, and gingivitis in, in advanced uh, <laughs> form and have teeth falling out. And then they showed people with really white teeth and, you know, being loved for their white teeth. And they found that uh, short term, the horrible films of people with teeth falling out was effective in getting kids to brush their teeth. But after about three days, it reversed and they just said, oh, my God, that's so horrible. There's nothing I can do. <laughs> and, and so so they responded more over time to authority and and positive uh, reinforcement of white teeth. Exactly, and, and that's the thing, because the, because the fear, you know, especially that, it went so overboard, too. I mean, because I, I, you know, those images, I know exactly the study you're talking about. Um, but our brains are designed to shut things off. So we're, we're designed to actually shut off fear over time and not remember the fear. So, And, and nobody, nobody wants to tap into fear. I mean, think about it. When you want to buy a product uh, or a service or whatever it is, you know, you're, you you want the transformation. You want the hope. I mean, even if it's a pair of shoes, you know, you're you're buying you know something that's joyful, uh, that you're that excites you. Hopefully, maybe <laughs> sometimes you're buying shoes and you don't want to. But, it's an ex- expensive um, kind of hope sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. So that's so your cat. So why people really buy really is on the love based side, and so that's why a lot of um, a lot of sales copy and a lot of persuasion and a lot of sales techniques feels really icky to people because they mix in the fear, or they mix in the shame. Shame's a huge one that is used a lot, uh, and and they mix it in with the the love based emotions, and then it just all feels really icky. So that's why. But if you kind of leave the fear based emotions out and just focus on the love. You can totally do it. You can totally make money doing it, and it can be more effective over time, and it can build your brand better as well. Well, let's suppose that I were coming to you as uh, as the uh, director producer of Good Books Radio, and I was saying, okay, we need to write some really good copy to produce some uh, internet-based ads so that we can uh, obviously uh, increase our listenership. So how would you begin with me as your client? What would you need to do to begin that work? So first we would uh, talk about your ideal client. And, uh, you know, so get very, so we'd be very, or you're, in your case, your ideal listeners. And also and get very deeply into um, what, you know, why are they listening? You know, what, what, what's keeping them up at night that, that they're, the, the problem that, that they're having that listening to the show will solve? And then um, once and once we've got that that kind of that that connection, your your offer, your message, then it's a matter of kind of figuring out some of you know some interesting ways to test and tweak for that internet marketing, like you know based on where you're going to do it and, and the kind of the you know the, the standards. Like right now, you know Facebook ads. Um, I, I, I do know uh, you know sometimes the real, these really long story-like ads work, and then sometimes they're short. So, you know that's the other problem with the internet. Things change so fast, mm-hmm. <laughs> constantly. But so, but but knowing that key message, and then being able to then take it and put something around it. I mean, it, it, stories usually sell. So uh, you know, so so sometimes you can do a campaign around that, but. Um, but that that's how that's what we would do is we kind of start with the basics and the foundation, and then I and then uh, and then come up with a few ideas to test and tweak to see which works better. Do you like your copy to be 
uh, at least from the book, I, I am guessing <laughs> from what I see that you've written is you like uh, kind of short and tight for the most part, right? Yes, and conversational. Yeah, so that's that's precisely what I what I yeah that where I like to go because I also think conversational drawing people in using strong verbs is really good versus a lot of adjectives. Yes, that's the kind of that's the kind of writing that seems to work the best. What is bad when you when you run across uh, in a magazine and you're reading copy and you go, oh my god, uh, what makes you say that? What is generally the problem? Uh, two or three things that you see that oh that's terrible. Oh, usually it's, uh, in a lot of cases, it's adjectives. Like, I'm, I'm thinking, it's, so they, they use too many adjectives, um, or they're using really mushy, what I call, like, you know, mushy words. Like, I, I really like words, and I, I think the most effective are ones that really can put a picture, paint a picture into you, in your head. I mean, that's really what we're supposed to be doing, and strong verbs is a great way to do that. Uh, if you start using, like, you know, two big words, you know, that, that don't put a picture in or, or kind of like mushy ways of explaining it, then nobody knows it, 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 it doesn't connect because it's, it's so, uh, it, it's so broad. And I think, and that, and, and a lot of times for these, these, uh, you know, I'm thinking of a lot of entrepreneurs who do stuff like that. And part of it is fear on their part because they don't want to, they're, they're afraid of being so specific and really drilling down and getting their ideal client. Because and it's fear because it's like well you know but I I can help all these other people and I you know and I want their money, which is under which is totally understandable by the way, and totally human and there's no judgment, um, but the reality is is that the the broader you try to make it and the mushier it gets, the it, it's not going to really appeal to anybody. So it's really you're you're really doing everybody a disservice when you do that. Even though I know it can be feel very very scary to really hone it down, and put those specific verbs out there, strong and strong images that really connect with your ideal client. You have two books. You have volume one, which is love based copywriting method, and then volume two, love based copywriting system. What's the difference? So the method, I, what I why I wrote two was I, I knew. Like I was thinking of my own industry, and there's a lot of people that actually understand a lot of the, the basics of writing copy. So I didn't think they would write; they would read a book that talks about like how to write headlines, how to write features and benefits, but they would want to know the love-based philosophy. So the love-based copy method is really more about the philosophy, and it's about you know the, the sales triggers, that kind of thing. It's more of a high-end view of how you can really take what you know take fear-based stuff out there, like how we how we may have learned through selling through fear. Um, or, or persuading through fear and change it to love. So that's also a really good book if you're not if you if you're if you just are interested in the philosophy and the method. The love-based copy method is is the right one, and the system is like that really just drills down into step by step, really walking you through all the you know how to write copy. So that goes through the headlines and features and benefits and all of that. Well, I still want you to give us an example of really good copywriting you know one one case of even if it's not yours you know a historical case here is a beautiful classic example of good copywriting isn't it true that uh, isn't it true that a lot of uh, a lot of copywriters uh, you know the some of the the best uh, ever were um, people who were also uh, very literary yeah there is 
Yeah, I think uh, you know the, you, the best copywriters are even though you can have very effective copy and not be a great writer, mm-hmm. the best copywriters are great writers and have a really strong sense of persuasion. So, I will give you an example because I because this is like a uh, is Gary Halbert. He is a famous copywriter, um, and one of the things that he he has this is like a guarantee. So this is like one piece that he mm-hmm. had, but it, it, it's kind of like cited, and it's sold an awful lot of face cream. And what it was was if you get to the bottom of the of the jar, and um, you get to the bottom of the jar, and you are and, and and your friends are not accusing you of having a facelift, send the empty jar back, and we'll <laughs> give you your money back. <laughs> That's, that's good. good. Yeah, yes. That's good. Very still a lot good. of face cream. <laughs> yes. Well, I remember reading once, now this, I don't know this necessarily, um, you know, the aesthetics of how the words are put together, but it's a good technique. Um, and I didn't realize the power of it till I read this article about uh, in Parade Magazine when they used to do the uh, ads for, uh, the copy rather, for publishers, clearinghouse sweepstakes. And uh, they would have people, you know, uh, people would order magazines, but they would also get entered into the sweepstakes to win a million dollars, right? And one of the things they discovered somewhere, one of their copywriters produced it, was that they would put a little uh, secret. They'd say, here's a secret for you. And it would be like in a little treasure chest off to the side. Uh, put this put this number, uh, you know, in your magazine order and uh, you will get 30% off or something like that. And they found that just people knowing what they thought was a secret, that they would participate more. Yes, that's true. People like that, you know, secret or overhearing something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, listen in. That's always good, too. Like, listen in, you know, to, or, or anything like that. Any kind of exclusivity can work really well. That's very true. And I remember reading that, and it kind of shocked shocked me. I said, oh, so it's not the 30%, it's it's the secret. secret. (laughs) It's the secret, I know. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. And they also think, because it's like, it's not only the secret and it's the treasure chest, but it's also the the idea of it is that it's a special, um, it's like a, it's something that nobody else knows. That's right. So it's, it's. That's that exclusivity piece of it. Even though it's published in mass millions of times, <laughs> I feel like I... <laughs> yeah, secrets are useful. The uh, Well, we have just uh, about three minutes left, so I wanted to um, give you an opportunity to talk about anything that, that uh, you feel we haven't covered sufficiently. So um, one of the things that I can just briefly talk about is, because when I talked about keeping people up at night, mm-hmm. uh, when, when we talk about love-based, um, I do feel like talking about, you know, I, I do feel like that we need to address that. So love-based is not so much like um, doing like a spiritual bypass and not talking about the bad things, because the bad mm-hmm. things are real. Um, and your ideal clients uh, are truly in pain right now. So to address that in a, in a nice, in, in, a, in a respectful manner, I think is really, really powerful. So that's one of the things that I just want to just kind of put, put um, you know, leave for everybody is that it's not when you're love-based, that, that does, that's not a, a sign that you only talk about good things. Right. What it is, is it's, it's about you're educating and you are, uh, and, and, you're, and you're looking, it's, it's like you're, you're accepting everything. So the so the your your the, the gamut of life, and so that's really what it's more about. 
And then you're simultaneously for those clients validating that uh, their their feelings are real, and that they are uh, they're not alone in that. Exactly. Because it's I mean it's yeah. There's nothing worse than like if you were you know if you go to a doctor and the doctor says I can't find anything wrong it must be all in your head. I mean you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's why you know addressing them and addressing what it is in a sympathetic you know acknowledging respectfully acknowledging it is so powerful. You have a website, uh, www.michellepw.com, and, yep. and so we, we can learn more about these books and your uh, and the ways that we could hire you as a consultant, for instance, I imagine, right? Yep. Yep, that's all there. Okay. Well, very good. Thank you so much for joining us today on Good Books Radio. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you. We've been talking to Michelle P.W., who is considered one of the hottest marketing and copywriting strategists today. She has these two books that you'll want to pick up, Love-Based Copywriting Method and Love-Based Copywriting System. Whether you're working for an advertising agency, running your own business, or just need to write a better cover letter, you can learn great secrets from these books. She has good advice for you, Michelle P.W. The book, again, Love-Based Copywriting and Love-Based Copywriting System. I've been your host today for Good Books Radio, Dr. W.F. Strong, signing off. Here's hoping that all your books are good reads.